All right, well, good morning, good, mo- good chilly morning, my goodness, it's been crazy. Um, I looked like an outlaw last night, I was watching a game over at Ed Raddus, a soccer game with Liza, and I had one of those, like, bank robber, like, face masks on, and my, my, my toque on, and I looked like I should be about ready to take a, a, ski, a ski down Breckenridge or something, but I was in Tampa, Florida, so that was weird. Um, so hey, so we're looking at this this series on um, how, how would what would would someone who came into our church and was with us for for six to eight weeks would they call us a generous church? More importantly than that, if God were to look at our church, would He say, "Hey, West Town Church is is a is full of generous, not perfect believers, but generous believers"? Is this a generous church? And are the elements of generosity there? And so we've been looking at that as a way to start out our year and kind of prioritizing things in our lives. And so last week we looked at, would West Town be seen as a generous church from the standpoint of, are we an inviting church? Are we, are we a church that's friendly, that, hey, we, we feel like part of the consequence and result of, of being changed is, man, we just invite. We just want to invite people because we want, to, we want people to hear the message of Jesus. And so we're a generous church in that we extend invitation easily because we understand what Christ did for us. And um, this week, as we look at another element of generosity, I want you to turn in your Bibles, if you would, to uh, the book of Exodus. And we're going to, look, we're going to start at Exodus um, chapter 13. To kind of set this up for us as we're looking at what it means to be generous Exodus chapter 13, where we're going to start, is an interesting place because it's before the Red Sea parting. It's before the kind of the grace of the Red Sea, but it is after uh, the 10th plague. And if you, if you don't know the story of uh, the Exodus, let me just give you some backstory. So God decided to uh, kind of distinguish a people group. And he started with a guy named Abraham in the book of Genesis. And he said, through your line... Through the, through the line of Abraham, I'm going to take Abraham, and then your son Isaac, and then Jacob, and then Joseph. And that's the whole story of the book of Genesis. Uh, book of Genesis. I'm going to create this people group, this nation, this royal priesthood, a holy nation, and I'm going to call you Israel. And through you, Israel, I'm going to change the world. And so everyone's all excited, except there's a kind of fade out in the book of Genesis, and it starts with um, the Israelites being in captivity under Pharaoh. And... The reason that the Israelites were so important is because, let's say, there are some, some reports say there are about a million um, Israelites. And Israelites were cheap labor. For Pharaoh, they didn't have to pay him much, and uh, they could be the breadbasket of the world. And so everybody would have to come. They were kind of like the crossroads of the world. People would come to them, and all kinds of commerce and economy was done because they could get this cheap labor through the Israelites. And so for, for Pharaoh, the Israelites, they were the moneymaker. I can't lose them. And God promised to what? He promised to set the captives free. We know. We knew that. That would happen. And in order for God to do that, he said, I'm going to send you a plague. And he did it. And Pharaoh's heart got hardened, hardened, hardened. But after the 10th plague, which we know, God said, okay, here's what I'm going to do. It's going to be the worst of all the plagues. I'm going to to kill the firstborn uh, son and livestock of the Egyptians. 
Israelites, I don't want that to happen to you, but the only way that won't happen to you is if you take, if you kill a first uh, a lamb without blemish, if you dip a hyssop branch in the blood and you wipe it on the doorframe, that way the angel of death will pass over um, your house and your son animals will not be killed. That has just happened, right? And so here's, here's what God is saying to the Israelites. Hey, you see, I'm pulling you out of captivity, right? I'm pulling you from prison to freedom, and I have a process. And we haven't quite crossed the Red Sea, but before we do that, here's what I want you to do now. I want to implement that into the rhythm of uh, Israelite life. Here's, here it is. This is Genesis, or excuse me, Exodus 13. After the 10th plague, before the crossing of the Red Sea. Here's what God says um, to Moses to tell the people. I want you to consecrate, the Lord said to Moses, to me every firstborn male, the first offspring of every womb among the Israelites belongs to me, whether human or animal. Okay, I have just freed you and am freeing you. And we'll take you to the land of milk and honey, to the promised land. But as we do that, I want to set some things in your life. Livestock was very important, right? Um, And um, obviously, uh, your, your kids were very important. But I want you to consecrate them because here's the principle God was trying to begin to teach the Israelites and is trying to teach us this morning. That this, the first, the first, plural, belong to God. The first belong to God. Because, um, you know what, Israel? I bet you it's going to be easy for you to forget. Just like, Frank, it's easy for you to forget. You were just in the Y, man. You were at the YMCA. And you just had started planting a church. And you know what? There were like 10 people there. And that's it. You didn't have anything. And so, when... You took the tithe when you took an offering, when you were at the Y, and it came back anything over uh, $99.99, anything with three digits was good for you. A $100 week, you were okay with. The $200 week, Frank, you were okay with. But I want to remind you, because you were just prisoners, and I'm going to set you free. And I, and I wonder, I think God knew in our hearts, it's easy for us to forget. So here's what we're going to do. To, to remind, uh, to, for, it, for it to be helpful, I want you to know that the first belong to God. Okay, not, not, not only this, let me put some more um, kind of uh, layers to this. We're going to actually jump to verse 11. He says, now after the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, and that's the promised land, after you get to the promised land, here's what I want you to do. After you get into the land of the Canaanites and uh, and brings you into the land of Canaan and gives it to you as he promised on oath to you and your ancestors, rooted all the way back in Abraham. You are to give, here's what you are to give, over to the Lord the first offspring of every womb, all the firstborn males of your livestock are to belong to God. Verse 13. I want you to redeem with a lamb Every firstborn donkey, but if you do not redeem it, break its neck. Redeem every firstborn among your sons. 
See what that's saying? Neither do I, right? <laughs> like, wait, what? what? What are you saying? Like, this seems a little weird now, right? Now, okay, so, so the first belonged to God, but now what are you saying? Well, he's saying, like, look, if you have a lamb, which is a clean animal, right? A lamb was a clean animal. Here's what I want you to do. The firstborn from that lamb, I want you to sacrifice it, right? So the firstborn from a clean animal is sacrificed. That's, I want you to remember that, okay? So, so whenever you have a lamb and the lamb has a lamb, the first one, sacrifice it to me. Give it back to me, okay? Now, if you have a donkey, what's the difference between a lamb and a donkey? A donkey's unclean. A donkey is an unclean animal. That unclean animal, if you want to use that animal, if that's going to be of, uh, of, um, you know, uh, of consequence to you, here, you need to clean it. And so what happens? You have to kill another clean animal to redeem the unclean. Okay? So with a clean animal, here's what I want you to do. Sacrifice the firstborn. If you have an unclean animal... In order to, that, that unclean animal has to be made clean. The only way you can do that is to kill another clean animal. Okay. And then, um, and if you don't clean it, clean the donkey with, a, with another sacrifice of a clean animal, break its neck, kill it. You don't want it. It's not good. It's unclean. But he also says, I want you to redeem every firstborn among your sons. So your firstborn son, if you have a firstborn son, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take another clean sacrifice and sacrifice that to me right i want you to bring that to the tabernacle or bring that to the temple right because um the first belongs to god but not only that not only that not only were clean animals clean animals were sacrificed and unclean animals were redeemed that's what we see in this passage that clean animals were sacrificed Unclean animals were redeemed, but the other principle is not only that the first belongs to God, but you know what? The first, what? The first redeems the rest. See, that first sacrifice, it redeems the rest of the what? Of, of, all, the, of all the animals that you're going to have. Every single time it gets pregnant. And we you know when you have a lamb, that's a lot of money. That is worth a lot. All your livestock. And so when you give me that first clean animal, right? You know what it does? It, it redeems the rest. It blesses the rest of the lambs that that lamb will have. It, 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 if you want to have another donkey from that donkey, you first have to redeem the uncleaned animal. And then once it's redeemed, once you give it to me, hey, all that stuff that you have that comes from that donkey, it's blessed. It's redeemed and I will bless it. Because you know what? When you think about it this way, when you, when you begin to understand, right? When you begin to understand life uh, in that way, hey, it will get into your, what? It will get into your DNA. Then he says, well, okay, your kid might ask you, what the heck's going on? Verse 14. In days to come, he, he, God anticipates this question from your kid. Your kid's growing up and you're doing all these sacrifices. In the, in the days to come, when your son or your daughter, you know, when ask you, what does this mean? Say to him, with a mighty hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. With a mighty hand, right? Not Moses' hand. With my hand, the Lord says. When your son asks you, what happened? 
What is going on? Why are we sacrificing it? Well, hey, pa- Frankie, you know what this is? This is just a reminder. Sorry about that. This is just a reminder. This is a reminder that with God's hand, we're not slaves anymore. You know what I don't have to do, Frankie? I don't have to make bricks out of straw. And I get to live in, you know, I get to live down by the Jordan River. I get to live on the banks of the Sea of Galilee, Canaan. Because with a mighty hand, your God and my God brought us out of prison, out of slavery from Egypt. Verse 15, when Pharaoh stubbornly refused to let us go, the Lord killed the firstborn of both people and animals in Egypt. This is why I sacrificed to the Lord the first male offspring of every womb and redeem each of my firstborn sons. And it will be like a sign on your hand and a symbol on your forehead that the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. Why do we kill, right? Why do we kill this animal and bring it to the Lord for the Lord to uh, receive it? Why, why do we waste, right, all this money and bring it? No, it's for, it's for the Lord. It's for the Lord to receive the glory. And so not only were the first, the first belonged to God, not only did the first redeem the rest, but what we see here, for your son and for my son and for my daughter and your daughter, the first were what? They were a reminder. Hey, it's, it's the firstborn, right? It's the firstborn that what? That died, And it's that grace that the angel of death gave you mercy and didn't give Egypt mercy. And you need to be reminded because, Frank, you think that because you are on 32 acres of prime real estate in uh, West Chase, Florida, when you were just in a YMCA, I know you, Frank, God says, I know your heart and you can forget. And you can forget that this is not owed to you. That, hey, this is a gift from me. And so when you give your first back to me, it's a reminder. You didn't do any of this, Frank. You didn't raise your family to make them sons and daughters. No, it's I did it. God needs to remind you and needs to remind me that I did it. Even though, wait, God, wasn't it I went to school and got that bachelor's degree and then I went to you know, seminary and got that master's degree so I could get ordained, so I could do And he said, no, it's me in all of this. And so the only way I know is to set up a reminder system. So anytime you have a lamb and anytime you have a donkey, that donkey needs to be made clean because it's unclean and that lamb needs to be sacrificed, the firstborn of that. Will you do that, Frank? Will you do that, Israel? He goes on in Exodus, later on, Exodus 23. He says this, Bring the best of the first fruits of your soil to the house of the Lord your God. Here's what I need you to do, West Town. I want you to bring the best. In fact, we could all go all the way back to Cain and Abel. The difference between Cain and Abel's sacrifices, God could see their heart. You didn't bring the best, Cain. Abel did. I want the best. I want you to respond to me. Because you need to be reminded that a, a, a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, right? With a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, 
His love endures forever. We sing that. We sing that all the time. The horse and the rider were thrown into the sea. Moses sings in Deuteronomy. The horse and the rider thrown into the sea because of the grace of God. So let's set up a system to make you a generous person. Because you know what can happen? Ebenezer Scrooge can happen. And I think that Toyota Tundra I have is mine, right? And, and Lou's minivan is mine, and my house is mine. He's, what are you talking about? None of the stuff you have is yours. Psalm 24, you know, the Lord, the earth is the Lord's, and everything, every single thing in it is his. Why do you think, Frank, this is your stuff, or you did this stuff for this church plant, and then you moved to Marybank, and then you moved to Farnell, and then you moved over here, and then we started a preschool. Why do you think that's you? It's not. And it's easy for you, Moses, to set the tone that man is doing this instead of me. So one way, I will keep you humble. One way, I'll keep your head down is to say, hey, Frankie, when you get your $10 allowance, here's what what God says. You take the first dollar, right? And when you give God the first dollar, the 90 cents or the, the nine other dollars are blessed because the first blessed the rest. That's what God says. Because he saved you, I didn't. And so anything that you get as an allowance, that is a gift from God. And to show God you understand it, that you've been saved by his grace, you give him the first God and he blesses the next nine. Not you spend the nine and you give him the last dollar. No, it's the principle of the first. The first belongs to God. So I need to set this up because you will forget it. You will absolutely forget it. And then God in the book of Leviticus says, you know what? I'm going to make this more formal. I'm going to make this principle of the first more formal. And this is the law that he gave us. And this is Leviticus 27. Here it is, more formally. Same principle. A tithe of everything from the land. It was an agrarian society. You got rich if you had a big farm. A tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. Just like your clean animal is holy that he gave you. Tithe it. Kill the first one. Redeem the donkey. Kill, right? Kill the lamb and redeem it. And then all of it will be, it's yours to use, Taylor. Right? So bring me, bring me the tithe. So when you see your paycheck, you take the first tenth of that, man, and you give it to me and let me bless the rest. Because when you write that, or when we, we go on the website and we have it automated, when, you, when, that, when that check goes and you see it, right? And okay, it goes, and I see the little thing on the Wells Fargo. It went. That's, what is that? That's a reminder. It's a reminder what? With a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, the Lord took you from slavery, Frank, the slavery of yourself, of being a self-righteous little yahoo and saved you and is, and is making you the man he wants you to be. That's what that reminds you of. So here's what we're going to set up. We're going to set up a tithe, which is a tenth of everything because it belongs to the Lord. And so what do we, not only do we see that the first belongs to God and the first redeemed the rest and the first were a reminder, but then he says to Israel, to Westtown, to you individually, the first must be returned first, right? The first must be returned 
first. That's the way we're going to do it. That's the way we're going to set this up because it reminds you of his grace. It's not to take something from you. It's not to hurt you. It's not to to give you less Taylor to work with. It's to say, hey, look, remember, you can forget. So let's set this up. I mean, do you think he says, do not sleep with somebody else's wife to hurt you? But we want to take something like this principle, like this law from God. And imagine if you had, you know, if your spouse said to you, well, I don't really believe that committing adultery is really that bad. In fact, I understand the law to be this way. So let's have some leeway. Would we be good with that? Huh? Grabby? Nope. What are you talking about? You can't mess with that. Well, we begin to mess with stuff like this. I don't see it that way. Wait, what? Wait, God says, no, this is meant for you. This is meant to bless you, to, 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 to honor me and to make sure that I am number one. If we're starting the year out, right? Right, 2018? We're trying to start the year with this right template to see our world. And what we do unashamedly here is we come to the scriptures and we say, scriptures, you're our spectacles. Okay, may we see the world the right way. Okay, here's what you need to do in marriage, right? Here's what you need to do with your kids. Here's what you need, Jesus says, with your money. Here's the way the Old Testament system was set up to what? To make sure you understood. And so what would happen? What would happen is that, you know, the promises that God promised to send a Savior, people were beginning to be... um, they're getting ticked because it wasn't happening the way they wanted it to, right? And God would speak to his people through all the, through all, you know, all the different prophets. And um, as the Old Testament went on, it's promised a Savior. And, and people were saying, God, do this. God, do this for me. God, do that for me. Protect my family. I want you to do this. I want you to give me more here. And I want you, you to give me more here. And I want you to give, make sure I get an A on you know, AP chemistry and make sure that I at least don't look like a stupid idiot playing defense on my soccer team. And, hey, God, could I land a few more clients this year? And, God, will you do this to my family? And, you know, they, they were beginning to get frustrated. And God... You know, it's, he's a very relational God, and he's a jealous God, and he wants, he wants your heart, and he wants my heart. And I so come to him for so many different things. And in Malachi, it's like he looks back at me. And, and I say, God, I, I want this, or I want that. And he, and he says, um, this is Malachi 3, verse 6. I, the Lord, do not change. So you, the descendants of Jacob, Israel, and now the church, are not destroyed. Remember, like, like I'm, I'm not changing, and you aren't destroyed. Like, Westtown, you are not destroyed. You have life, and all of life is grace. Please remember that. Please remember that, Frank. Ever since the time of, you, of your ancestors, you know, you have turned away from my decrees, and you have not kept them. If you will return to me, I will return to you says the Lord. But then the Israelites, and I don't know if it's you and me and others of us in the room, we say, what do you mean, God, we're right here? What do you mean I'm not returning to you? I am right here, God. I'm in church. What are you, what are you talking about, how I haven't returned to you? How? How are we to return? And in, in, a, in a real way, 
God looks at us and he says, okay, verse eight, will, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. You know. You ask and I ask, how in the world can we rob from you, God? What are you talking your deity? You are God incarnate. You are over your Jehovah Jireh. You are El Elyon. You are El Roy. You are all of those things. How can I rob you? In tithes and offerings. In the consecration of your first. You don't do it. You, you ask this and you get so frustrated with me. Yet he says, we are robbing him. Everything you have is for me and all I want is your tithes and offerings. Is, think of that in comparison to what you receive. When you understand, right? And verse 9, it says, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Now, let me just make this distinction. This is not talking about anybody losing salvation. It doesn't mean that the Israelites were going to hell because of this. But he says, you... The blessing that I have over you, over your house, you are under a curse because of money, because you're robbing me. So bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And then he puts his name on the line. Test me in this. You, I am saying you're robbing for me, but when you don't, you test me in this. Test me in the tithe, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Don't, tre- don't store up treasures right on the earth, but store up treasures in heaven. Right? When you are taking away from what the Lord can do with your tithes, right? you are not storing up treasures in heaven, he's saying. You are missing out. You're investing in the wrong thing because you won't do that. In fact, there are so many ways in which you don't even realize that you are tied to stuff. That if you would just begin to know what it means to to give away your money, to give the tithe back to long. Because what's the principle here? The first of everything I receive belong to and and are to be returned to God. The first of everything I receive belongs to God, and here's what he wants. He wants it returned to him. If you think it's your stuff, if I think it's my car, my clothes, my house, my kids, you missed it. You don't understand the gospel. You don't understand being saved from prison. You don't understand your debt is paid. If he says... I have paid your $250,000 mortgage. It's paid. Now, every paycheck you get from now on, give me the first tenth. That's what he's saying. Except it's not a mortgage. He's paid for your life, the debt of your sin. And he says, look, symbolically, he doesn't need any of your money. He doesn't need any of my money. But he goes, here's the system I'm going to set up for your good and for my good. To, for us to remember that every single thing is his. You will be freer. You will be more healthy if you do this, he says. And here is where I can hear some biblical gymnastics happen. 
And I've heard it. I've heard it a lot. People say tithe, whatever, da 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 And, you know, I've been ordained almost 20 years now. And it's, um, I've heard a lot of sermons about money. And I've heard a lot of sermons. And I've had a lot of discussions where people are trying to get out of it because I want to get out of it. If I'm honest. Like, tenth? Are you kidding me? What? But I'll just be straight up with you. I feel like ultimately what they are is just excuses because we just want to hang on to our stuff. Because when people come to me, it's like they don't want to give 10. It's not like they're saying, hey, Frank, I don't think it should be stopped at 10. I think we should give like 25% of ourselves away. <laughs> what? I never hear that argument, right? I mean, why is it only 10, Taylor? It should be like 25 or 30, maybe 40. No, that's never it. Though if you look at the story of Zacchaeus, the miser started giving of his stuff away once he met Jesus. I mean, the miser became a generous man and looked like half of his stuff. But that's for a different sermon. When we're talking about this, as much as you look at it, as as much as you try to get out of this, you know, you come to you come to the New Testament, and and honestly, I think I do think the tithe is, is the starting point. Because I mean, what did Paulie just lead us in? I mean, what did we all read? He became poor so that we can become rich. You are already rich if you know Jesus. It's, it, will, it will play itself out. Your understanding of the gospel will play itself out. I promise you it will is what he says. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 16. On the first, right? The first day, the principle of the first of every week. And that's the day they would normally get paid, Right? Each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, in other words, proportional to your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will be half what will have to be made. Hey, so when Paul would come to Westtown, and maybe he would need something, because he's going around all of Florida, let's say, planting churches, and he came to Westtown. And what we'd have is they'd look in our account and we'd have all this money that all the aggregate families in this church would give. I mean, it would just be, look at that, storehouse of money for the Lord to use for missionaries, right? For different positions here at our church, for new, for new and better facilities for God to work, to teach God's word, to, to play out the gospel, right? For maybe one day for us to expand and for us to maybe have a gym here so that kids could come and play and we could do camps and we could have early morning games, basketball games for business uh, guys and whatever, that we could use it for him, that we could continue. We would just be full. I mean, we would be a church. I mean, just, it's just full. Our, our accounts are full because we are using it for him and people want to give because they want to see heaven come down to earth because they know all the stuff that they have is simply um, a gift from God. That's, that's the way our church rolls. And it's not the way our church rolls. I know that. Because I know we struggle with this. We do. And I think God is trying to teach us that you know, God will be first in your life when you prioritize him and your finances. And the only way you can diagnose this stuff, the only way that you will know, that you will say, okay, how do I know it's this, is simply you go and you click on your bank statement. And you look at it for 90 days, past 90 days, and you see where your money goes. If you want to know 
the way you think about finances and the way you think about money and the application of this sermon is you just go and for us to click on wellsfargo.com and say, okay, here it is. Is this principle of the first true in our lives? Do we give it back to him? Do we give it back so that what? So that we know, hey, so that we know it's none of this is of our own strength. I mean, it is simply by God's grace that you are born in this time of, of, of um, the story of history. I mean, it is simply by God's grace that I wasn't born in the 11th century in Mongolia, right? Where I would never be able to live even close to where I, how I live now. It's simply God's grace, right? But this, the, the principle, it applies wherever we are. And it applies to, it applies to us, the rich, the, the 1% in the world that make what we make. You know, when Lou uh, decided to work and, and she, was, she became a teacher, you know how I could tell that this was so elusive even in my heart? It's because it wasn't only going to be my salary now, it was going to be my salary and her salary. And you know what happened? When she landed the job and it was for sure she would be working at Mary Bryant, you know what my sinful heart did? I said, okay, so my salary plus her salary, oh man, now, I'm, the pri- I'm not the primary salary, so yeah, we, we definitely are tithing both salaries, of course, of course. I mean, just like that thought, like I wouldn't put them together and think, okay, I'm going to tie, we're going to tie both, like just, just that, like I was going to say, okay, this is the primary one, and hers is secondary, like just showed me, like, what are you, what are you thinking, Taylor? Of course you're tithing off this. Who do you think, I mean, the more money I got, the less I wanted to tithe. What? Because I was thinking security, and I was thinking maybe a little bit more comfort. And I thought to myself, you know what? Because I heard a sermon where my buddy Joel said, you know, maybe we, maybe I, have too much to give. Maybe I have too much to give. And he spun it out, and he was basically saying, maybe, Frank, you have too much, Right? to be able to give. You've taken your entire paycheck and here it is. Mortgage, car, Verizon, this, kids, this, and then you get down and you're like 97% of the way if it's already spent in your mind. And then you give like this little 3% to God. And what he says is, wait, that's not even the way it works. Is you take it, the first 10% goes immediately to God. That's not yours. It's going to be, it's supposed to be returned. It belongs to and returned to God. Now, thank God for that 90%, Taylor. But you know what? You like try to, and that's what your heart does. And ultimately, um, I, I felt convicted because if you think about it, if you ultimately think about all of this, what do we know? Were you born clean or unclean? Go ahead and respond verbally. Were you, bon- were you born clean or unclean? Unclean, right? Every one of us was born unclean. Was Jesus born clean or unclean? Go ahead and respond. Clean, right? Jesus was born clean. You and me are born unclean. What do we know? 
that the first lamb, what? Is sacrificed to what? To redeem the unclean. That's the way it worked. That's what you saw in Jesus. That's what, where the Jewish mind went. So if you think about this whole money principle, and you think about it this way, Jesus is what? Jesus is the tithe from God the Father to make us clean. I mean, it, the firstborn is to be the Redeemer. And so... When you think Jesus, the clean, was sacrificed to make me unclean. And the story of the tithe is just to remind you that and to remind me that. That's what God wants. This isn't something that's just, you know, pastor manipulation Sunday. (laughs) Mm -hmm. He says this. There is a lamb, a clean. And there's a bunch of you that are donkeys. And there's another word for donkey that I decided not to use. But that's what we are. We're unclean donkeys. And the clean was sacrificed to redeem the unclean. And that is what a tithe is supposed to show us. And when you enter into that story, so when your kid says, Oh my goodness, Dad, we collectively make $100,000 a year. And you just showed me our Wells Fargo spreadsheet for the very first time. We give $10,000 away a year. As a father, as a mother, we get to say, that's right, we do. Because we shouldn't have the $90,000 to spend. It is all grace. Isn't that unbelievable what God gives us? Jesus was our tithe to pay for us. Let's give our money away, buddy. Because that's what we are. That's who we are in Christ. That's the way the system was set up. We are free to give. And so, in the middle of a depression, a recession, 64 families decide, here, we're going to give over a million dollars in the middle of a recession. We're going to give it away. We're going to buy this land. We're going to trust. We're going to give over and above the tithe. I mean, 64 families gave over and above our budget so that we could get this land to see what God would do. And look what he's done. What if everyone did that? What if everyone in our church did that? What we, we'd be able to do? It'd be unbelievable. And we want to be a generous church. So we want to invite, and of course this Sunday, we want to give. Because the first, right? The first The firstborn son redeems the unclean. Praise Jesus for that. We all need it. Let's pray and ask that he'll work in us. God, the first bless the rest. And may we give our first because we want all of it to be blessed. And if anyone heard this out of manipulation or is not a Christian has come to church for the very first time, please do not let them hear me say, hey, we just want your money. No. We want you to know We want them to know, Father, that we give because of how much has been given to us. And that, God, that you would clean us, a bunch of donkeys. Thank you. Instead of breaking our necks, what you did is you, you sacrificed for us. And we don't deserve any of that. But you get to use us. And through us, you would even... 
bring about your kingdom. Thank you for that. Thank you for the story of the Old Testament and how it teaches us and informs the New Testament church. God, we're a Westtown church, New Testament church in Tampa, Florida. Change us. Change the way that we see money. May we be a generous, giving church, God. In your name, amen.